Friends, you may be seated. The second lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. I misspoke last week when I said that we were still continuing on in Revelation. We'll actually save that for September 30th, so you'll see that coming in the fall brochure. So we return back to the Gospel of Mark. Hear the word of the Lord. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased and there was a dead calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, as human beings, no matter how old we are, no matter where we are in life, we always find ourselves in situation, or we often find ourselves in situations that we did not expect to find ourselves in. Situations that even when we consider sort of the history of our own decision-making, situations that are different than what we hoped for, than what we planned. Life brings the unexpected, and sometimes it even brings the unexpected by our own hand and by our own choice. And by the way, just a note about our sanctuary time. When folks are noisy in the sanctuary, that doesn't bother me. So please know that it doesn't need to bother you, okay? If there's kiddos moving around or other folks who feel disruptive to you, just know that that I'm okay. And I just want everybody to be aware of that because I think sometimes folks get nervous about how I'm feeling and that creates some anxiety. So if we could just know that this is kind of part of being in the living room, And when we're in the living room, it means that there's going to be people that run through the center of our discussion, and that's okay, right? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Totally fine. So life brings the unexpected, even sometimes by our own hand and by our own choice. And so it is today with our good friends, the disciples. The disciples, they made this choice to follow Jesus. They made this decision And things are going pretty well on this one side of the lake. And then Jesus directs them on this particular day to say, let us go to the other side. And because they choose to follow this direction from Jesus, what happens? The storm. This great windstorm arises along this journey to the other side. And they find themselves in the middle of the storm. They find themselves in the middle of the storm, not because they were turning away from Jesus, but because they were listening to him. 
These boats were not huge. They're not like the ones that we see out by Golden Gardens with the great giant sails that can, or like our Seattle ferries that can withstand a lot of turbulence. These were very small boats that the fishermen took out and they were vulnerable to the weather that happened out there on the Lake of Galilee. And so even when this windstorm comes up, it is large enough to be terrifying, to be life-threatening even for this little group of followers. And once you're out on the middle of the lake, the reality is that you can't go back, right? If you've ever swam sort of from one side of the pool to another, you know that you get to that point in the middle where you realize that, gosh, it's just as far to get to the other side as it is to go back to where I feel that place of safety. So we all get to that place of vulnerability somehow, and our disciples today, our friends, the disciples, they're stuck out in the middle. They had made a choice to move forward, and that choice rendered them to be in a stuck situation, and they are terrified. They're terrified. Why is it that when we are following the very instructions of Jesus that we end up in a place that shakes us to our core? We wonder, maybe we should have stayed on the other side of the lake. Maybe we should have said something to Jesus when he wanted to cross the lake. Maybe we should have tried to talk him out of him, out of it. Maybe we just should have said, no, I'm not going. But the reality is, is that sometimes our decisions to follow Jesus, to move with his impulses, to go where God is leading us to go, actually puts us in a place of terror and vulnerability and fear. And we second-guess in those times and wonder, what did we do wrong? It's so hard to make sense of a world where bad things and hard things and turbulent things happen not just in our midst, but because of our decision to follow God. We seem to be under the impression, and not just here in this sanctuary, I mean everybody who's sort of following this American Christianity that we all sort of have grown up in, and it's the air that we breathe, but we seem to be under the impression that when we decide to follow God, that somehow everything will make sense and fall into place and sort of set up to be this sort of perfect life. Or that if that's not the case, that at the very least that we will have another, enough faith and trust to make sense of the challenges that come to us so that we will find purpose and meaning and even a little bit of hope. But friends, the reality is that the disciples did not experience this. That was not their understanding of faith, and that was not their experience of what it looked like to follow Jesus. They were there with Jesus every single day, and they did not experience this. They had choices that they second-guessed. They had bad things happen to them in the very midst of their decision to follow. They had great fear because of their decision to follow God. The journey of biblical faith, not American Christianity faith, the journey of biblical faith 
is a journey of faith in Jesus, and it is not always accompanied by peace and serenity. In fact, it is often accompanied by real-life turbulence that shakes us to the core. And the story of biblical faith is instead a story about how God has the ability and the capacity to meet us in our fears and in the place where it seems like everything is falling apart. For the disciples on the boat that day, they reach their human limit and they have this moment of utterly crying out to God, sort of waking him up, waking Jesus up on the stern of the boat, saying, don't you care? Don't you care that we are perishing? They finally have this moment of realizing that they can't do it anymore. They can't hold all of the pieces together. They can't make sense of the reality that they are in anymore. They need someone or something to do something, to make a change. They need some sort of intervention into their situation. They need safety and they need peace. And they have Jesus in their boat. I would have thought that safety and peace and understanding about God was sort of agreed upon already if I was taking a trip with Jesus. But that was not the case. These disciples, they needed to get together and wake God up. And Jesus wakes up. He calls out this word silence, or stillness is another way of understanding the word that he calls out. And it's interesting, the text that you read and that we read today says this, that the wind ceased and that there was a dead calm. When you read it in the Greek, it's not so clear that it happened instantaneously. It's clear that Jesus calls out this great word, stillness or silence. But then the Greek text gives us this other word that happens where the wind ceased and there was a dead calm. It's a word that means that something ran its course or it became tired, that it eventually settled out. And then there's this question that Jesus asks that I think that sometimes we can read in our current day and age as somewhat shameful. But I'm thinking today we need to push into this question that he asks us as empowering. And the question that he asks is when he turns to his disciples after the silencing of the sea and the calming of the wind and there was a dead calm that happens on the boat, he says, why were you filled with dread? That's another way of reading that question. Where is your fortitude? Where is your faith? Friends, when I read this text as a 21st slash 20th century American Christian, I always sit with those last questions. Where is my faith? Those are the questions that I kind of reflect on afterwards. 
that Jesus is rousing his disciples to recognize that faith is not necessarily the assurance of perfection, but the grit to know that even in the depths that God is still there. You see that it's hard not to fall into this trap of the many layers of the prosperity gospel, which is that if I practice faith and if it's going well, then I must be on track. And if it's falling apart, then I must have lost faith. But I think what is a helpful corrective to this reading of the text is that these questions that Jesus asks and that I sit with at the end of the day after my reading, the questions that kind of resonate in my ears, they don't even land with the disciples. They go right over the disciples' heads. The disciples don't even notice that Jesus is asking them a question about faith. Did you pick up on that? When they respond at the end of the story, they're not answering the questions that he has issued. They're reflecting on the fact that this Jesus met them in their place of their deepest fear. And at the end of the day, that is really what the disciples hear in this story. That the one who is in the boat is the one who can speak to them even when they are the most afraid, even when they are the most falling apart, even when they don't have anything else left to pull this thing together, that they are in the boat with somebody who could speak to them in their fears. That's what they hear. That's why they say to one another, who is this that has even authority to calm the wind and the sea? Keep in mind that in the Hebrew life, the wind, it's the wind that goes over the face of the earth at creation. So the wind is the source of life within the Hebrew sort of mindset. And the sea, the sea is actually a place of chaos and death. So the sea is a place that sort of represents death within the Hebrew experience. And so when they say, who is this that has even authority over the wind and the sea? What they're sort of saying that's bigger than that is, who is this that has authority over all of these pieces of death and life? Who is this that has authority to speak to me when I am facing my own death and when I am succumbed to the fears that surround it. Who is this that has the authority and the ability to say the words that I need to hear in the place of my deepest fear? The thing that the disciples hear at the end of the day is not about how to grow their faith, but about the fact that they can rest assured that they are in a boat with somebody who can handle their greatest turbulence. That's what the disciples hear. Friends, there are so many reasons why Jesus needed to cross the lake that day. And if you skip ahead and look to Mark 5, you'll see that Mark 5 is going to be the healing of a man who suffered daily by living in the tombs, who basically sort of was 
uh, always a victim of the demons that surround him. And Jesus is going to turn up on the other side of the lake and heal that individual person. And then guess what? He's going to head back to the other side again. So there are many reasons why they needed to cross that lake. But the disciples have no idea about the big picture. They have no idea about how any of that is going to work out. Instead, in their particular moment, what they can see is that they followed somebody into the storm and that in the storm they were met by the person who could speak to their fears. There are many reasons many experiences that we have when we make this decision to follow Jesus. There are many things that sort of make sense on a very sort of big picture and professional level. There is a leadership and a bravery that we are called to when we engage in this story of faith. We are always sort of moving from a place of comfort to a place of risk. And Jesus does that. He takes them, and he takes them from the place of comfort on one side of the lake to the other side where they have to engage in a place of risk on the way. So there are many sort of big picture things about following Jesus that make sense. But the other thing that I think is for us today is that when we're on that road, when that call takes us into the place of our deepest fear, into a place of turbulence, into a place where it feels like life is falling apart, into a place where it feels like, why on earth did we get ourselves out here in the middle of the lake when everything was fine on the other side? That we are with somebody who can speak to our fears who doesn't take himself out of the conversation during that journey, but in fact inserts himself right into the center of it to speak to us and to our surroundings. Silence. Stillness. And then there's a calm. And Jesus might offer us some words during that time. We might think, where's our faith? What's it about? What's it going? It doesn't matter. The reality is, is that in that moment, we were with a God who could handle the darkest part of who we are, the scariest part of who we are, the most liminal part of who we are. And that's the good news. That's the good news for us today. Friends, I want to close with a poem by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who wrote this in his prison cell in July of 1944. He had about nine months to live. He didn't know that at the point in which he wrote this poem. And it's from Letters and Papers in Prison in his uh, very wonderful and extensive thoughts that he shared with his literary assistant, Everhard. And here is his poem. Who am I? Who am I? They often tell me that I would step from my cell's confinement calmly, cheerfully, firmly, like a squire from his country house. Who am I? They often tell me that I would talk to my warders freely, friendly, clearly, as though it were mine to command. 
Who am I? They also tell me that I would bear the days of misfortune equably, smilingly, proudly, like one accustomed to win. Am I then really all that which other men tell of? Or am I only what I know of myself? Restless and longing and sick, like a bird in a cage. Struggling for breath as though hands were compressing my throat, yearning for colors, for flowers, for the voices of birds, thirsting for words of kindness, for neighborliness, trembling with anger at despotisms and petty humiliation, tossing in expectation of great events, powerlessly, powerlessly trembling for friends at an infinite distance, weary and empty at praying, at thinking, at making, faint and ready to say farewell to it all. Who am I? This or the other? Am I one person today and tomorrow another? Am I both at once a hypocrite before others and before myself a contemptibly woebegone weakling? Or is something within me still like a beaten army fleeing in disorder from victory that has already been achieved? Who am I? They mock me, these lonely questions of mine. Whoever I am, thou knowest, O God, that I am thine. That's the God who's in the boat. Friends, let us pray. Gracious God, we have so many questions that haunt us at different times of our lives, at different seasons. We want to have it all together Even as we sit in this sanctuary today, we want to feel like we can put all of those pieces together and make sense of them. But sometimes we just can't. We need you to speak to us in that space. In the space of our deepest fear and get us to the other side. We ask that you would do that in Jesus' name. Amen.